The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Radio Show, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, we're excited to have one of the foremost natural health doctors in the world of women's health, and she's going to help you get to the info you need on everything from controlling hot flashes to increasing your libido. Plus, later we'll find out what's going on around town and what's new at Mother's Market. But first up, Dr. Tori Hudson is a naturopathic physician and one of the nation's foremost voices in the field of women's health care and natural medicine. Dr. Hudson has been addressing the needs of women in her natural medicine health practice for 32 years. And in 1999, the Association of Naturopathic Physicians awarded Dr. Hudson the prestigious title Naturopathic Physician of the Year for her leadership in the field of women's health. Committed to education and research, safe and effective naturopathic medicine, she has devoted her career to advancing women's health, and we welcome her to the Mother's Market Radio Show. Dr. Hudson, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me back. Thanks. It's great to have you here. Why don't you fill our audience a little bit on your mission and your work before we get to today's show topic? Well, basically, in my clinical practice and in my formulating natural supplements and in teaching and writing, it sort of comes down to how to help more women more of the time in as safe and effective way as possible. Wonderful. That's sort of simple. <laughs> That's the, e- the easy way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations on all your work. Um, today we are talking about women's health, and let's get started. I wanted to know what, what's new in women's health and natural medicine that you're getting excited about, that you're excited to talk about. Hmm. Well, if I just stray, women's health and natural medicine, uh, you know, I would say sort of globally, there's just this much more robust body of evidence and published research in botanicals and diet and exercise and nutraceuticals. So we just see much, much, much more research being published and, and good studies on you know, everything from cinnamon and menstrual cramps to calcium and menstrual cramps to N-acetylcysteine and polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, lemon balm and heart palpitations. You know, the list goes on and on. And I mentioned things that people might not readily see as women's health, but, you know, women's health is defined by problems, obviously, that happen only in women, like menstrual cramps, but it's also defined by problems that happen more often in women than in men, and that list is quite long, like depression, anxiety, hypothyroid, constipation, irritable bowel, on and on and on, so many, many primary care problems, and then the third aspect of women's health are problems that happen maybe not more often, but have some unique characteristic a clinical feature in women versus men. So that's why I mentioned, you know, some of those studies. Uh, and again, just, you know, every month, every week, there's just a lot being published. And, and in different parts of the world, for example, Iran is a, a steady stream of botanical and nutritional uh, medicine research but certainly not only them, but, uh, you know, lots of good research from other countries uh, as well as uh, the United States and other Western countries. So I would say, in general, just the amount of research. Um, 
and um, you know we could talk about you know really any any problem and what might be new. I'd say polycystic ovarian syndrome is an area where there's sort of a quite a bit that keeps coming out. Um, hot you know menopausal hot flashes is always ripe for for research on botanicals and uh, that has a consistent stream of, of published research. Um, the things you want to see research on that we don't really have much on. Uh, outside of calcium and vitamin D is things like osteoporosis or um, things like, um, you know, Alzheimer's disease, you know, th things that are sort of long-brewing, serious chronic health problems that we desperately need solutions for. And that is still ongoing. I was, um, obviously, that is right there, and I, I do believe that is at the forefront. Um, so, Kind of going back to your research mm -hmm. um, point, and you mentioned Iran. Where are where are we at in the United States with wrapping our arms around um, the botanicals and the natural? You know, I don't really have a grasp on you know how many studies come out on this from this country versus that country. But I would say you know the United States is uh, not overly impressive in terms of botanical research. Uh, much stronger, I think, in nutritional research, including nutraceuticals as well as actual nutrition. Um, and of course, some of these plants are from other countries. You know, research on saffron and PMS and turmeric, and you know, the dozens of <laughs> documented uh, you know indications for turmeric. So partly, it might just be you know, where is the plant grown and how easily accessed and what does the culture know about it and use it for already. Um, but, you know, we have uh, institute, universities and uh, the government to some degree funding research in alternative medicine. It's probably right at the very tip, but um, yeah, at the forefront, but seeing what's happening in other countries and hoping we're at a point where we can make a difference, but you're, you're at the forefront. Well, I definitely that. welcome this research from other countries because it really moves, keeps moving the ball forward um, and I think motivates, you know, is motivating. It's like, wow, look at all those studies that they're doing and and it, I think it, it's uh, helpful to see that and right. to sort of follow that lead. Not to say, I mean, there's plenty of good researchers in the United States and plenty of great research going on in natural medicine. But now that's just sort of expanded uh, the plant medicine awareness, you might say, right. uh, there's plenty of good research coming out of all these other countries as well. Um, I mentioned, or you were mentioning uh, earlier, uh, before I get to my next question, about some of the, um, what, like you mentioned, uh, uh, cinnamon with, mm -hmm. um, so can you kind of, kind of put together what goes with what ailments possibly? Some, some of those. Like some examples? Yes, yeah, some of the examples. Uh, just of some of those before. studies. So, yes. you know, in the last year, I would say, yeah, uh, cinnamon and menstrual cramps, uh, calcium and menstrual cramps, uh, lemon balm, I mentioned, and heart palpitations, calcium and menstrual cramps. I, I'm sounding like I'm getting hung up on that. Mm -hmm. uh, and in terms of the polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, soy isoflavones and uh, PCOS, um, spearmint tea, um, 
N-acetylcysteine, they're myo-inositol, D-chiro-inositol. These are things that are, have some nice re documentation for polycystic ovarian syndrome. PMS, and there was a study on curcumin and PMS. And there's a few studies now accumulating on curcumin and depression. Again, a, a problem that's more common in women than in men. Uh, there was a recent study on curcumin and major depression, people who were taking drugs already for their major depression, and the group that added a certain amount of curcumin to their drug had a better, much better response and outcome than the drug only. So that's sort of more of an integrative medicine model of using drug with herb or drug with nutrient. And I imagine that we'll be seeing more and more of that, because it's a very compelling area as a clinician, that's a sort of an, I just naturally find myself in that arena. People are take, have they a chronic health problem? They're already taking a drug. They come to a naturopathic physician to either feel better than they're feeling on the medicine or to try to get off the drug. So it's a natural situation where we would use uh, pharmaceuticals and nutrients or pharmaceuticals and botanicals or all of it together. And and there is lots to be learned about good and bad interactions of things. Um, but um, that particular study was using the curcumin as an added benefit. There's another study I can think of on for fish oils, using fish oils as an added medication to, I think it was for schizophrenia. I mean, not something I'm going to be seeing every day, and but by any means. But just another example, oh, you take the drug and the fish oils, you help more people than maybe just the drug alone or then just the natural ingredient alone. I mean, natural medicine doesn't, isn't the right fix for every situation, um, but the right fix might be a combination of a pharmaceutical and a natural agent. And I, I think that you mentioned that that is sort of the direction that they're coming together in a combination, that the I think pharmaceutical so. and then the natural. And I, I think that's great that more doctors may be open to that. More medical, more conventional mm -hmm. practitioners are open to that. And and even sort of my side of the fence, the, the natural medicine trained physicians, you know, we're increasingly gaining skills and using the two together. Um, and so I think that sort of whole spectrum of treatment options, I, I like to steer, if, if they're not going to come see me, you know, who is the practitioner in your area that has not only respect for, but some knowledge of the whole spectrum. And in women's health, obviously, you know, hormones come up a lot in menopausal women. So, but not everybody needs hormones, and not everybody can do without hormones. Uh, and so, you know, how do we take you through that spectrum of options and what might be the best fit for you or best combination? You know, and what it sounds like is you're looking at the person as an individual and seeing that, uh, respecting both sides and really uh, talking to each other on both sides and having that mutual respect as pers as the patient, as a person, as an individual. Absolutely. If that's, if they have two different practitioners, absolutely that sort of more team approach. But but even within a single prescriber, that prescriber, like myself, a naturopathic physician, can become more knowledgeable right. of, of the whole spectrum of options. Giving and a conventional practitioner can become more knowledgeable. Now, that takes a lot of time and effort, and we can't do everything all the time. Uh, so, yeah, I want the rheumatologist that I can refer my patients to, and mm -hmm. the cardiologist, and the et cetera, et cetera. And 
the more uh, open they are. They don't have to know necessarily, but to be open to their patients choosing right. and seeing me as well. I'm, I'm interested, especially in that kind of model. Well, I think this is wonderful. And you're right. All of this research is amazing. Um, what's, do we need any updates on the benefits and risks? of? You mentioned soy. And mm -hmm. I think what you were talking about with soy, um, the soy foods for women, because yes. there's this. this still, is it, does it still have a bad rap yeah, out there? I'm, right. I'm sorry. To, I'm, I'm always sad to hear that. Uh, <laughs> well, tell me what so you there for many years there was some very strong voices out there that communicated to consumers all the all these negative things about soy. And I would assert that those negative things were never very uh, numerous or significant. There the most significant thing about soy would be if someone's allergic mm -hmm. to it or you might say sensitive to it because other than that it's hard to find an actual contraindication okay. um, but the bad rap it got was especially i'd say probably around breast breast health and that oh if you you know maybe if you ate soy or took soy supplements it might increase your risk well that was never true mm. or if you're a breast cancer patient you should avoid soy because it would increase your recurrence or metastasis or something well that was never true either mm. but there was some you know somewhere rare little peculiar laboratory thing that someone was pointing to look at that but that wasn't but it was always sort of confined to something very uh, unique and sort of some weird little, not weird, but um, just laboratory high amount of some individual compound in the soy. But And it was never, out of the 270 studies, it was, you know, maybe two or three of these little laboratory, well, what is going on there? But I would say my perception is there were three big, huge studies, the the LACE study, the Shanghai Women's Health Study, and the WELL, W-H-E-L, I think it's called, study. And these were all in breast cancer patients. And they added a certain amount of soy in supplement or food to their life. And what was their outcomes? It was better. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was like they lived a little longer. They less likely had breast cancer recurrence. Uh, and breast cancer metastasis. I mean, it was nothing but better. And so those anti-soy voices, it seems to me, really kind of like, okay, we can't say that anymore. And I was always sort of arguing with that voice, not really arguing, but always trying to counter that voice with what I thought was a more accurate statement anyway. But now it's in breast cancer patients, the population we might be most worried about was soy. It's not only safe, it's beneficial. So it's actually a part of my treatment plan to recommend a daily serving of soy or a soy supplement to a breast cancer patient, whether it was diagnosed this year or five years ago. But it's true that some people are allergic and some people don't digest it well, but that's true with strawberries or yes. you know eggs or other things. So, so then we just pay attention to who that might be the case and it doesn't, other than that, you know, the soy is just a bean, right. by the way. Right. And and uh, and there are what are called sort of traditional soy foods: soy milk, tofu, tempeh, edamame. 
you know, I think these highly manufactured, you know, sort of soy hot dogs and soy ice cream, well, you know, that's maybe a little different story. Not that it's bad, but I wouldn't say it's therapeutic like these other foods are medicinal foods, I, I think. Well, thank you for clearing that. <laughs> clearing too much, on that. But No, I appreciate that. Um, great information. Right now we have to take a quick break, but more with Dr. Hudson in just a moment. Don't go away. We will be right back. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with Her Life Stages. The first of its kind, comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. And welcome back to the Mother's Market Radio Show. And we want to remind you that if you've missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for radio and listen to the past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with Dr. Tori Hudson. And we're talking about women's health. And this has been very interesting in the latest information, Doctor. Um, are there any herbs that can help a woman's libido? Ah, then <laughs> perhaps an age-old question. The all important. Um, you know, this is an area that has a lot of traditional herbal, anecdotal type information. All the men are going, turn it up. <laughs> but there is a small amount, I'm, I'm more interested in the research, and and one herb that has probably the most meaningful research is a Peruvian plant called maca. And in particular, uh, there are different varieties of maca, and it's one called Lepidium peruvianum. Um, for this more studious listeners, um, because not all the maca powders and capsules out there have shown the benefit, but this Lepidium peruvianum okay. has. I was trying to spell uh, that. Yeah, L E P I D I U M, and then Peru, Peruvianum. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, there is a particular proprietary. Uh, product out there on the market. I couldn't mention if, if you want or not. It, it's sure. a company called Natural Health International, and it's called uh, Feminescence. So that that has you know a little bit more compelling story than some other than other herbs. There was uh, a um, study in ashwagandha in younger women that showed some benefit. The maca is we especially I use that in my clinical practice in perimenopausal and postmenopausal women and their libido issues. Um, and sometimes there are some interesting combination products out there that have uh, an East Indian herb called shatavarya. They might be combinations: shatavarya, ashwagandha, maca. 
you know, you, you'll see these libido formulas out there. It's not a strong area for natural medicine by any means. Um, and, and the other issue is, you know, libido is, is a complex, you know, uh, sexuality is a, is a complex issue. Is it really her libido or is it she's dissatisfied in her relationship in some way or does she, is she chronically fatigued or is she in some kind of chronic pain or is it painful when she does have sex and vaginal penetration? All those things need to be ironed out mm -hmm. and not just assume that it's her hormonal low libido. It could be something else. Emotional or, yeah, yeah, or physical. Sure. And the relationship, right. the emotional, the fatigue, right. comfort, yeah, all of that. So sometimes it's, you know, if sex is painful and you have low libido, well, that's sort of the brain's like, well, I don't want to do something that's going to be painful. So we have to fix the painful part with vaginal moisturizers or vaginal estrogen and then see if her libido improves because it's not painful anymore. Uh, or if she's chronically fatigued, you know, address that. And uh, but yes, ashwagandha, maca, those are the two places I would look first. There's an over-the-counter weak version of a testosterone called DHEA, and that's another um, something a supplement that can be buy, bought over the counter uh, that has some potential to help libido. Okay, well, that's interesting. Um, we are also talking, again, with these women's issues, menopause. And mm -hmm. is it safe to take black cohosh long term? For most everybody, absolutely yes. Um, there are some exceptions. If someone has elevated liver enzymes, for whatever reason, it's probably better to not take black cohosh at all or not take it for longer than a couple months. Just because of some glitchy things that have been observed in a very, very small few, you know, few folks, but nonetheless we don't quite understand it. And, and so if you have elevated liver enzymes from chronic hepatitis or some kind of chronic liver disease or f like fatty liver dis disorder, which is fairly common these days, then you know, I would take another herb for my menopause solutions. Um, and other than that, yes, it's it's safe. Um, and some people, you know, a very small percentage of people might get a headache from black cohosh, but that's very rare as well. And um, black cohosh, would this be in a supplement form? Yes. So, yeah, a ca encapsulable, encapsulated product. And, and the research has mostly been done on what's called 40 milligrams of a standardized extract once, maybe twice a day if if listeners want to want to look to my brand. So I do have this disclosure com conflict of interest, but Vitanica, that's one of our products, is a black cohosh standardized extract. But there are other good ones out there for sure. Uh, but generally we start with the one capsule a day, and if we have to go up to one twice a day, then we do. But we give it a month and see see what's up. If, if you're getting no, in terms of hot flashes, no matter what you're starting with, folks, uh, if it's black co-wash or something else, you should see something in one month. If you see nothing, I would move on to product number two. If you see a little to a lot of something, you might, uh, I would stay on it because it, it's, its plateau is of benefit is probably at about two months. So whatever benefit you get after two months, that's probably going to be it. Of course, it's important to remember in perimenopause, the transition time, things do come and go. Okay. So wow, it looked like the herb helped you now, but it's not helping you then. It doesn't mean the herb pooped out. It means your perimenopause is progressing along and just becoming more intense. 
Oh, joy. Is it right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the joys of being a woman, right? <laughs> Uh, okay, well, thank you for explaining that as sure. well. Um, and th this is available at Mother's Market, by the way. This is, uh, it's called Vitanica. That's the Vitanica. This is your brand. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some natural medicine solutions? We're going to a different direction, and um, I'm a migraine sufferer. Okay. And I have been for years, uh, but some natural medicine solutions for migraines. Well, in terms of individual ingredients that have been uh, researched, so magnesium has been researched by itself, 5-hydroxytryptophan, melatonin, uh, ginger, riboflavin, those are probably the, the top players. Um, but migraine, the sort of the, the brain chemistry of a migraine sufferer, there's a lot of complex things going on in there. Inflammatory changes, uh, unstable dilation and vasoconstriction, uh, little cells called blood platelets are sticking together. Uh, the pain receptors are getting all glitchy, and serotonin is glitchy. So I'm a big fan of combination natural ingredient formulas to, to, to target chronic migraines because you want to target as many of those mechanisms as you, can, as you can. And if you just use melatonin, you're targeting one. If you're just using magnesium, you're targeting one. Oh, you know what we should add to that list is butterbur. Butterbur definitely... Uh, has been uh, has some nice documentation. So I like to use combination of those pro ingredients together in a formula. Vitanica does happen to have one called Butterbur Extra, but people can cobble it together themselves. I just you know read a study on melatonin, three milligrams a day by itself, reducing the frequency, the number of days that women had and men had their migraines. Mm. Um, hormonal menstrual migraines, mid-cycle migraines, before, during your period migraines, those are, can be a little bit more complex and sometimes we have to do something hormonal management-wise mm -hmm. along with these natural ingredients. The main ingredient herb that's been studied for acute, like I want relief today versus my Imitrex or my ibuprofen right. is ginger. Ah. And so there's some nice recent evidence on ginger for acute migraines. And same. And it worked in this one study. It worked as well as the Imitrex. Really? Drug. Yeah. And as a supplement, uh -huh. ginger. Yeah. Uh -huh. It was. I can't remember the dose, but you can find that on my blog or somewhere. Okay, I'm going to definitely check that out on your blog from your website. Yes. Okay, I'm going to talk about that right now because we ran out of time, but okay. I could definitely talk more with you. But um, I, great information, Dr. Hudson, and it's really great to have you back on all of these women's issues. But in the meantime, you can get more on uh, information on Dr. Hudson. The website is Dr. Tori Hudson. It's D-R-T-O-R-I Hudson.com or Vitanica, V as in Victor, I-T-A-N-I-C-A dot com. And we look forward to your next visit. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market Radio Show and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Mm -hmm.